hello, friendos. Welcome back. This is the Glintendo Podcast. I'm Glintendo. Welcome to episode 884, Mario Kart 8. We're going to be talking a lot about Mario Kart um, and a bunch of other games, covering some brief news and talking a whole lot of crap. The show always starts the same way. What am I playing? I'm playing the same games I was playing last week because these games take forever. I've had a really busy week. I've had a lot of stuff to do, um, which is it's a luxury problem. I've had a lot of good stuff to do, a lot of work and such. Um, so I don't want to talk about the games I've been playing because it's the same stuff. Smash doubles, Mario 64, blah, blah, blah. You've heard it a million times. Um, but one thing I do want to talk about is this game Genshin Impact that everyone seems to be playing recently. Um, and it's, it's a free to play open world game. It's a free to play open world gotcha game. Now, again, you guys already know if you've listened to the show before, I hate when people say terms that are like inside, you know, the culture and they don't explain it. And I kind of fancy myself a little bit of a, a luminary, uh, a bit of a, of a luminary who's here to translate and build a bridge for people who maybe don't know certain terms, a gotcha game is basically um, a game that they it's free to play, right? So you start playing it, but then they have kind of like a lottery system where you spend real money on an in-game currency that you then kind of like uh, gamble to see if you can get just random chance. If you get like a really great character or item or um, some type of in-game weapon or something like that, right? So it's it's like purposely designed to abuse the human psyche and that part of that reptile monkey part of your brain that, you know, thinks, oh, if I just do this one more time, I might get lucky and get the best thing. I was so close or whatever and, you know, all that. So it's a gotcha game. Um, but I heard that even though it is a gotcha game, it's free to play and, and the free to play portion of the game is is really like developed and it's it's not you can really have like a full experience without paying a single dime so it's we're finally seeing the breath of the wild influence on the industry um i remember a a lot of a long time ago when breath of the wild came out and it like you know it was like this phenomenon game zelda was back at the top after not being there for a while and you know just huge, huge game, obviously. Everyone was talking about it. Game of the year, game of the decade, game of the generation, all this stuff. And um, I remember like a year or two later, people were predicting, oh, okay, we're going to start seeing this set the new example for what open world games are going to be because it was so boundary breaking and inventive and stuff. And we didn't really see that. Like the next few open world games that came out, the really big ones, they were just kind of sequels and iterations on like the old formula of open world games. But I always point that out to people that, you know, these those types of games take so long to make. Breath of the Wild took more than five years to make. So if it came out in 2017, you're only now going to start seeing certain games that began development after it came out and after it made its impact and are now kind of, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be seeing the end of the development cycle for those games. So I think you're going to see a lot more of this. And um it looks really cool. Uh, it looks a lot like Breath of the Wild, but with anime characters. And if you like the game, that's great. I definitely recommend, like, take a look at it, see if, if it's something for you. For me personally, I, I actually don't think I'm going to play it because 
Number one, I just recently replayed Breath of the Wild um, at the beginning of the quarantine. I went through master mode and just put another like 150 hours into that game. And so it's really fresh in my memory and I kind of want to play something different. But also, I also don't want to burn out on that formula of game with Breath of the Wild 2 kind of eminent. You know, it, it at this point, I think it's safe to say it'll probably be out within a year. So um, I don't know. I don't really feel like playing something like that. And the the anime tropes are, from what I've seen of it, it's like all the anime tropes that I hate. <laughs> like the super high-pitched voices and the really annoying characters that are like, all right, I've seen this character a million different times in different animes and stuff. And uh, that kind of stuff's just a turnoff to me personally. But, you know, the gameplay looks cool. I mean, if you can mimic Breath of the Wild, that's amazing. And um, it's funny, I have a friend who he he didn't play Breath of the Wild, right? He said he got like an hour in and he's like, I don't know, it just wasn't for me. But now he's like 50 hours into this game, right? And I'm like, oh, cool. So what do you like about this game? And he's like, dude, it's just, it's such an amazing game because I just love how the game is, there's not really like a, um, a, a formal like narrative, you know, that you're following it's very open. And the, the story of the game is really just your own personal experiences. Like, hey, I went down this mountain and I found this item and I just discovered this thing. And it really feels like because it's so open, it feels like it's my own discovery. And I'm like, okay, uh, what else do you like about the game? And he's like, oh, well, these characters, you switch between them and they have different elements and the elements, they work in the environment. So like you could light things on fire or you can do this with the electricity and it's very consistent throughout the the world and stuff. And then, and he's like, oh, and you could just go to the last boss if you want. Like, it's so cool how you could do all these things. And I'm like, yeah, that's Breath of the Wild. Like, why did you not play that game? (laughs) I can't believe that for some, maybe it's the anime characters, you know, maybe it's, that's what it is. But even Breath of the Wild has some of that too. Like, I, I think Hungry, Our Hungry earlier on one of the earlier episodes when we were talking about like, uh, potential Smash characters and and the champions and stuff. He mentioned how Hungry's a pretty big anime guy. Like I, I'm a fair weather on anime. I just like really good art, right? I don't care what genre it is or what like you know sub genre it is. My I like Ghibli movies are in my top ten, right? So in a way, I guess I am an anime fan, but I don't really watch a lot of like serialized anime. You know, I really watch it when it's like, this is like a really great big thing. But Hungry watches a lot of anime. He loves it. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of anime he hates as well, but definitely way more than me. And even for him, he was like, all right, some of these anime tropes in Breath of the Wild are too much for me. So when I see Genshin Impact, I'm like, oh my God, this is anime trope heaven. So if that's for you, if you like that stuff, I mean, why not play one of those tropey anime games with you know, under a super amazing, inventive, open world, um, you know, umbrella of gameplay, as opposed to just playing like another generic JRPG or something. So this game looks cool, free to play. Everyone's talking about it. Um, If you want to be in and be cool, you know, because you're insecure, you know, definitely check it out so that you feel like you're part of something finally. You know what I mean? Like you're part of the world and you've been making strides. You're somebody. But the big stuff that happened in the last week were we finally got the Minecraft DLC in Super Smash Brothers. Uh, we've already talked about Minecraft Steve to death. 
So we're not really going to, you know, go over that again on this episode. He looks, he's awesome. His moveset is really crazy and inventive. And he's like probably the most fresh character I've seen in Smash, like ever maybe. So definitely they put an insane amount of work into this DLC. And um, I think they really turned around the flavor, the taste in everybody's mouth after Byleth and Min Min back to back. And I think, I think Steve has really turned the DLC around for them. Um, in terms of like the public sentiment from the Smash community. But yeah, check out Steve. He's awesome. The stage, the Minecraft stage is awesome. But the thing we're really going to focus on is that like any other, um, you know, DLC character, it comes with a, a patch where they adjusted and balanced the game and uh, they changed certain things about certain characters. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and just about patches in general. And, but before we do that, I'm going to make a little public service announcement, okay? If you're part of Smash Twitter, okay, I'm going to make a little public service announcement. Here are the things not to do, okay? Here's what you shouldn't be doing. If you want to have an awesome Smash Twitter and there's a new character out, just I'm tired of reliving the same cycles. It's like every couple of months you notice that the Smash community, Smash Twitter, they kind of like relive the same two or three arguments or trends over and over, right? And the, the trend that we're going to talk about right now is the trend that once a new character comes out, here are the things that you need to stop doing, okay? The first thing is don't post or retweet or like any combos, any no DI combos, okay? I don't want to see any more of these videos of people posting clips of them doing a billion damage with Steve and all the other person had to do was hold out on their stick and get out of the combo. Okay. For those who don't know, DI means directional influence. It means as you're getting hit and your character's in their hit stun animation, you can kind of guide where they're going to go by just moving your stick or smash DI, which is like to aggressively whack your stick in a certain direction so that you pop out of the move as soon as you can, right? So there are a lot of fake combos that aren't real, but are only real if someone literally just puts their controller down and lets you hit them. So, you know, you, you're not DIing in any direction. Stop posting those clips, please, for my sanity, for your sanity. No one wants to see fake combos. When you find something real, post it, but no more fake stuff, okay? And the other thing we're not going to do, all right, because we're going high, 2020 has been a low year, so we're taking the high route. Please don't say that a new character, don't say that Steve is either trash, worse in the game, or broken, best character in the game, free. All right? I'm tired of these two phrases, trash and best character, free. Free. Like, don't even argue with me. It's free. Dude, the guy just came out. We don't even know how all his moves interact with the other moves that are in the game. We don't know all of his combos yet. We don't know all of his kill confirms. All it takes for a character to actually be broken, sometimes it can just take like a really insane kill confirm. That's all it can take. There are certain characters in this game that are like top tier or high tier just because they have like one move that is insane. And if you took out that one move, the character would drop immediately. You know, I'm talking about Game & Watch's Nair or like, you know, um, even just his up B, right? He can just keep the Nair. Right. If he just didn't have the up B, he would be a lot worse overnight. So let's calm down. 
with pu- putting him in, putting Steve, a new character, you know, I, he was less than 24 hours old and people were already making tier lists. And I'm like, I couldn't tell if they were a joke or not. I hope they were, but God forgive the guy who made a tier list that was, was, and was being serious three hours into Steve coming out. Another thing, the game was patched. Certain characters were adjusted. Certain moves were adjusted. Certain characters were slightly buffed. Um, please just don't take it too seriously, okay? We don't. Need, I don't want to see any tweets about how a character now is crazy, right? Like this is the this character's top five now because they changed one thing about them. These buffs and nerfs since the game has been out have been very very mild. No character, with the exception of maybe Pichu, no character has been nerfed so hard that they went from like top 10 to being like even just, you know, 10 spots that lower. No one's had that happen to them. And no one's been buffed from being like bottom 20 to being top 20. That hasn't happened. Okay. These characters, like, they've kind of been buffed here and there. Everyone's kind of in the same spot, maybe a little bit better. I think Cloud, I, I play Cloud, right? So I think Cloud got the most significant buffs since the game came out. There might be one other character that I'm forgetting that got, like, bigger buffs. But even him, he he's barely better than what he was. I think he's really good still. He, didn't, he doesn't need to be broken, but, um, you know, he's not, like, top five and he received very significant buffs so let's calm down with all that let's not rank this stuff let's not go too crazy and please for the love of god okay for the love of god do not tell me and do not entertain the idea that the new stage is possibly a new legal stage please I can't for my sanity. This community is amazing. All right. I love the smash community. We all love the smash community. It's changed my life. I've met friends that I'm going to keep for the rest of my life. I love you guys, but you guys are trash at the entire conversation regarding legal stages. There are way too many legal stages. I don't even know why people think that more stages for competitive play is good. Like if if we're trying to reduce the random elements of the game so that we can see who would win in a one-on-one, right? That's the whole point of a tournament. I'm about reduction. I'm about we need to just get a small amount of things that work consistently. We don't need to introduce more variables, all right? And we don't need the Minecraft level even being entertained as a new level because once it makes it in, it's never leaving. Like it's taken my entire Smash career to maybe get real Lila, and it's still, Lilac Cruise is still a legal stage in many, many tournaments. I do not understand that. I don't know how many more jank video clips you guys need to see. I don't know. I don't know. All right. I, you guys are trash at stages. We'll talk a little bit more about stages at a, at a later date. I'm actually, I'm thinking about maybe doing a, an episode or when it's relevant, me and Hungry are going to kind of talk in, de- in more detail about what criteria we think people should have and the community should have for legal stages in competitive play. Um, but for now, just take my word for it. This Minecraft level, it's cool, right? Let's, it's for fun, all right? We don't need it at tournaments. I'm not wasting my ban on the Minecraft stage, okay? And finally, the last thing, all right? New character. This is the last cliche to avoid. 
please wait at least a month before you make a matchup chart for this character, okay? I don't want you to tell me your theories, all right? You don't need to set in stone how good you think this character is versus the rest of the cast when no one knows what he does yet. You don't know what his foot combos are. You don't know like his optimal ledge trapping. You're not going to know like, oh, in this matchup, the block blocks this move, but it doesn't block this other move. Like I said earlier, a lot to be seen. Let's relax. Jeez, you're getting me kind of tight, Smash Twitter. So I want to talk about the patch more than I want to talk about that other stuff. Um, there's a lot to be said about patches in general. And so with this patch, in addition to the new characters and the new Minecraft stage, this patch, um, it actually improved online functionality for lobbies of four players or less. Without getting into like the technical terms, the simplest way I can put it is that games online now run at 60 hearts instead of 30, which it just really means that um, there are more packets. Packets is basically just how many units of information are being transferred per second. So it's, it's just more information is being transferred between you and the other player and the server and all that. And it runs, it's going to run a little bit smoother um, for lobbies of four or less, which is great for me because, like I said, I just started playing doubles. And so I want these doubles lobbies to be great connections. But if you want to know the finer details of that stuff, I would recommend going to um, two different Twitter accounts that kind of broke this stuff down in, in more uh, in more detail. The first one is at NerfHerder08. That's N-E-R-F-H-E-R-D-E-R-0-8. And at House of 3000. That's 3003000. Not you know, spelled with letters, but yeah, they kind of broke it down a little bit and they, they, they show, it shows that the last patch that we got actually improved the online functionality, but it was just for one V ones. And now we're seeing that they, they extended that same buff. Um, that same improvement is now for lobbies of four players or less. Hopefully maybe the next patch will be like, Hey, we figured out how to do it for lobbies of eight people. And you know, it, it's, there was a really big movement at the beginning of quarantine where, you know, locals, smash locals were shut down and people's only option to play the game and to compete was now online. And so people have been talking about smashes online infrastructure for a, a long time. Like this has just been a ongoing thing, not just for like Nintendo as a, as, as a whole, but for smash specifically, because smash has always kind of been the game that they've positioned to be their flagship online title. You know, I remember when Brawl was coming out, it was the first Smash Brothers game to have online. This was back on the Wii in like 2007 or 2008, I think. And, you know, Nintendo was trying to make like really, you know, sell us on this. Like, all right, this game has online. We've, we're, we're heading in this direction. And the online for Smash has been very disappointing ever since. They've, they've gotten better with each installment, but they're still so significantly behind like the standard for the fighting game community, or even just the standard of other online games of other genres. So once the quarantine hit, everyone was complaining. Like there was a big hashtag movement and it was like fix online or fix ultimates online and stuff. Because for a competitive player, the amount of delay is very significant. And it's, you know, we covered that on an earlier episode I recommend you listen to where we, we cover Smash Net Code in a lot of detail. Um, 
But this improvement of the, from this patch and the last one really show that Sakurai Sakurai is listening. Nintendo is listening in some capacity. And if we referenced his old, um, one of his more recent columns in Famitsu, where he kind of says, like, you know, we looked into different methods of doing netcode and we chose the one we did for a certain reason and there's drawbacks. And so this is them meeting us in the middle as much as possible. So I, I actually do appreciate the fact that they're doing this because they don't have to. Like this game is a mega, mega, mega hit. Like an insane, this is the biggest fighting game ever. One of the biggest Nintendo games ever. They don't, they're already selling so much. Like they don't have to, um, they don't have to improve it. So I, I do appreciate it. I want more improvements for sure. But anyway, so let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the patch, right? And so I want to actually, I'm going to try to talk about this stuff in terms that if you're not a hardcore smasher, right? You're not like me where you're on smash Twitter, you weren't baptized and, you know, tweets, uh, from angry smashers every day for the past five years. I'm going to talk about this stuff in terms that, you know, you can follow. Cause I remember what it was like to join the smash community and people just openly use phrases that they were not born knowing. Someone had to teach them these phrases or they had to look them up, yet they talk up, they use these phrases as if they're common, just everyday things that you should already know. You know, like terms like, like, all right, even the term like neutral, like the first time I heard it, I'm like, I think I get it. It's kind of self-explanatory, but do I get it? You know, like, what does it mean when to be in neutral in Smash? You know, what's a block string? What's frame advantage? You know? So here's the thing about this patch. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to get into the details of of all the, the changes they made. They just made minor adjustments to all the characters that were already in the game. That's what a patch is, right? A balanced patch is them attempting to make the game more balanced, and they are trying to adjust certain moves or how much damage something does or how a certain hitbox works so that the the characters are as balanced as possible, and you don't have any character that's too strong or you don't have any character that's too weak, Right. So the thing about balance patches is that at this point in the game, they're inherently for the competitive community. Like outside of, outside of a few exceptions where something might be like insanely broken or there might be a move that, that really just you can exploit in some interesting way or something like that. These patches are for the competitive community that, you know, the, the, the little minor difference between how much damage one move does can really determine, you know, who wins a certain matchup, right? So because these patches are primarily for us as competitors and not the casual fans, it's been really frustrating to see which characters have been improved and which ones they've chosen to nerf, right? So again, I'm going to break down some smash speak for you, or just, this is just gamer and fighting game speak in general. Uh, A nerf means that they adjusted a character or a move um, and they weakened it in some form. And a buff means the opposite. They buffed it. They made it stronger. They made this character stronger. He's swole now. He's buff. Ness is like ripped out of his mind on roids, right? So the thing is that when you look at this patch, right, the characters that got the most significant buffs are characters like Ness, Simon and Richter Belmont, and Sonic. <laughs> There's a few others. They They buffed Pikachu, which is like, when I saw that, I was really like perplexed because Pikachu is widely considered to be the best character in this game right now. 
He is insanely good. And they made him better, right? So the thing is that the community is looking at these notes and this has been a pattern. Every single patch so far has followed a trend of they've chosen to buff the characters that the competitive community does not want to be better. And they've nerfed the characters that usually deal with the stuff that the competitive community finds annoying. Now, I definitely don't claim to speak for everybody, right? So if you're a Ness main or you're a Sonic main or you're a Simon Belmont main, right? I get it that you're probably really happy that they buffed those characters. But from the competitive side, uh, for, for some other people in the community, we find that things like, for example, zoners, characters that are just, they have projectiles and that's their primary game plan is to just wall you out with projectiles. Those characters tend to be a lot more difficult to fight. They're very tedious to fight, but they're also not very difficult to fight on Wi-Fi when you're on the internet and it's like harder for you to react to things and to move smoothly and the connection might not be perfect. It's way harder to deal with that. So it's been weird because They've really been trying, they've really just followed this trend of buffing all the characters that people find really aggravating. I find Ness to be infuriating. I've always found him to be infuriating, and he makes me not want to play competitive Smash because he's just really unfair. The way that he wins is just like, look, if you're a Ness main, I, you know, more power to you. I'm glad your character got buffed, but you know, when you lose neutral, right? Again, Smash speak. Neutral just means three, two, one, go. You're both, no one has an advantage yet. You both just started the game or you're in neutral positions where, you know, no one has a clear advantage in terms of stage control or any of that. So the problem with Ness is that he can, he loses neutral and then he has a really obscenely strong back throw just to use one example of the million I can use for Ness where he has a really obscene back throw where it's like he can get rewarded now for losing neutral. You're, you win neutral. Now he's at the edge of the map and you're, you know, keeping him in disadvantage. You're keeping stage control. He can off of a grab, just back throw you. And if you're too high percent, you're dead, right? So stuff like that, that's one small example where you don't want characters like that to be a lot better in a competitive environment because it feels like you're not being outskilled. <laughs> you know, it feels like people are being rewarded for not being the better player or they're given, they're being carried by something that is like one thing that is really, really strong, right? So every patch so far has continued to buff these characters. I think one of the most recent patches buffed King DDD, and these are characters that the really, people love these characters, obviously, right? Like Smash Brothers, Every, all these characters are special. They're, you know, first party Nintendo characters and like major all-stars from third parties and stuff. So of course you want your character to be as good as possible. But at the end of the day, the people who are really trying hard to be the best competitive player, they're not choosing the character that they just have an emotional attachment to. They're trying to pick a character that they like emotionally, but that also has all the tools to win. And so when you start rewarding and buffing characters that don't have the tools to win at the highest level, it makes it very frustrating to deal with for those players who are really there to try to be the best, you know? And so um, that's, a, I know this is controversial to some people and I, and I, look, I used to main link in Smash 4, so I know what it feels like 
to main a character because he's your favorite character and you know you want him to be great and you don't want to hear from other people that you're carried by you know this this uh this obscure character you know who has these ridiculous moves but the truth is that smash characters are designed to to suit a lot of different purposes right so they have to be true to the game that they're from and have moves from that game right but then they also need to function in a four player or now eight player environment with items on different stages and stuff like that and so you have all these different parameters and things that these characters need to satisfy and so a lot of times those things that i just mentioned making a character true to the game he's from or function in a eight player environment the tools that they give them that will serve them in those scenarios might be the same things that make them really bad in a one-on-one environment right so someone like luigi he's he's designed after his mario brothers 2 iteration right so in mario brothers 2 he has like the flutter jump and the way that they differentiated him from mario is that unlike mario luigi jumps a lot higher but he doesn't have a lot of air drift right so in 1v1 smash in a competitive environment that one thing makes him really really bad competitively because it means he has a hard time moving in the air and he gets juggled a lot and he has a hard time landing so what did they do what they did was that they made his punish game basically he can kill you at zero right so i just keep using luigi as an example because he's like the most easy like extreme example of the philosophy that they've taken to uh super smash ultimate right where they kind of make up for a character not having good neutral tools and not having good approach options by making their punish game basically the guy can kill you at zero at the end of the day right this patch it continues this trend of they want to make the competitive and esports part of smash as accessible as possible and part of doing that means that you can't have like you did in previous games, you can't have like five or six characters at the top that just dominate the competitive form- format. And so we keep getting patches like this where they're buffing the characters that are considered not good in 1v1s and trying to make them more viable. But there's such there's a limit to what you can do with that. And in the end, it kind of just frustrates the, the, the players who are playing the best characters to be the best because it just makes it harder to deal with these characters that don't have great tools and are just not great. So this is a thing that's actually bigger than Smash, right? So if you're a fan of Street Fighter, Street Fighter V is like the biggest example of this where every, all a lot of these modern fighting games, um, they've been trying to make them more accessible to a wider audience so that the, they can compete in the hardcore scene because that's where the long-term money is for the game, right? So it's it's actually a very smart business decision. But a lot of the complaints that people have about Ultimate, about Smash Ultimate, are the same complaints the Street Fighter community has about Street Fighter V. I remember someone showed me a video of a bunch of top players from Street Fighter talking about Street Fighter V and what they don't like about it. And if, if I didn't know they were talking about Street Fighter, I would have swore they were talking about Smash Ultimate because it was all the same complaints. It was like, oh, imagine you took the last game and then you know, imagine you took Street Fighter Four and you just added a bunch of input delay and you made the buffer window huge. That's what this new game is, right? And it's like, all right, well, imagine you took Smash 4 and you did those exact things. That's what Smash Ultimate is in a lot of ways. 
So I get it. Every company's trying to really like double down on esports, but this is, in my opinion, this is not the way to do it. What you want to do is you want to raise the skill ceiling so that people who work the hardest get rewarded for it. And you don't want to make it so that, you know, you don't want to lower the skill floor so that it's a lot easier for people to come in and jank out a few stocks here and there and make it really like obnoxious to play the game. Right now, Smash Ultimate's um, Wi-Fi, like online events, they're completely like devoid of top players. None of the top players that I've seen consistently enter or win these events because it's obnoxious to deal with. Dealing with Luigi, who can zero to death you, dealing with him on a Wi-Fi tournament, on an online tournament for Smash Ultimate, it's just not something that anyone wants to deal with. Some of the most famous players of all time, like I can't, I'm not going to name any names, but if you look at the top five ultimate players of all time, only like one of them that I could think of enters online events. And one of them is actually really, really like, no, like notoriously bad at online events. That's how different the results are online. So again, just to sum up this patch, they buffed a lot of the characters that were at the bottom of the tier list. And it's just a part of a bigger trend in fighting games to make it a lot more accessible for everybody. And it just makes a lot of those characters more obnoxious. Because at the end of the day, there's no buff that's going to make Ness a top tier. Or, you know, it's going to make Simon Belmont a top tier. So in my opinion, they should just let him be where he is. And people can play those characters for fun in eight-player Smash and four-player Smash or even one-on-one -on -one with their friends. And let the competitive characters be better. It's okay for those characters to be really good in a competitive setting, you know? So that being said, right, I actually, I talked to a lot of friends of mine, right? Because some of my friends in the Smash community are top players. Some of them are really high-level players. Some of them are mid-level like me, or some of them are new to the game. I tried to get a lot of different opinions on what people's dream patch for this game would look like. People from within the community. Because again, if you're, if you're from outside the Smash community, a lot of stuff doesn't really affect you. You're probably not going to notice that Simon Belmont's up B is a lot better now based off of this patch. Um, so the first thing that the first change that was universal that everyone talked about, what and I alluded to a little bit earlier, is everybody wants the input delay to be either removed or just significantly reduced because this game just has a lot of input delay. It's an insane amount. And that's the most obvious one. Like everyone I talked to mentioned that, but some of the ones that people, you know, one of the most interesting ones that I got that I think would really fix the game that would make this game godlike overnight is this one change. This is all they got to do. And the entire community would get up, applaud and be super happy. All they have to do is if you play a character that has a projectile, right? If you shoot a projectile and you miss your character takes damage. Whatever damage you would have done to me by spamming that projectile, you're taking all of it. So you better hit me, all right? This one change, it'll make the, the game incredible, all right? Young Link would never be a problem. Mega Man, not a problem. Simon Belmont, not a problem. Wii Fit Trainer, not a problem. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. It's going to be a beautiful thing. <laughs> but anyway, some of the other changes that I actually would like for real, like obviously I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of just memeing when I say that. I mean, am I though? 
<laughs> that's kind of a good change. Like all the zoners would be really careful. And when you see someone who shoots a lot of projectiles, you'd be like, you'd be impressed. You'd be like, dude, this guy is sick. He just, he just did a million damage that he would have taken on himself if he missed. He just did all of that. That's, that's worth it. But the thing that I would say that they could really change that I think, um, you know, again, this is based off a lot of conversations with people and not just my own opinion is, um, so I've said this many times, but I think they need to add more mechanics that, that create a resource management dynamic for all the zoner and projectile characters in the game. So the thing is, those characters are balanced for a eight player or four player, you know, a hundred stock match where you have to, you know, young link can just shoot a million projectiles, like a million arrows. He never runs out of arrows, right? It's, designed for that because if you only had five arrows in a game with four players and all of them have three stocks or it's a 10 minute timed match and he only has five arrows or something like that it would kind of you know be overkill for him but i think that for a competitive community they need to figure out a, a balance between that so that there's some resource management and you have to be a little more conscious of you shooting a projectile um, so I would like to see that, especially cause they've done that with all the more modern characters, right? So Steve has a lot of resource management, you know, cloud has a lot of resource management. He only has like one projectile, but still his entire thing is resource management. Inkling is a new character. They have projectiles, but they're, again, it's resource management. You have to be very conscious of your ink tank. So that's something that they, they've done really well with some of them. Robin from smash four resource management, you know, that's cool. Just give it to Young Link. Give him the magic meter from Zelda, Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask. After a while, he either runs out of arrows or his arrows don't have fire. All right? Do something. Mega Man. How does Mega Man have infinite projectiles when he doesn't even have it in his own game? Like, they, they took the meters from some people's source material, added it to their character, but forgot to do it for some other guys like Mega Man and, like, you know, Simon Belmont. Simon just gets to throw a million axes over and over again. So, all right, so... This is episode eight, and so it's perfect. The stars have aligned. We talk about one of my favorite games of all time, Mario Kart, the series, of course, but specifically Mario Kart 8, because Mario Kart Home Circuit is out as of today, October 16th, $99. Uh, this game, it's, it's, it's not even really a game. It's actually a, for those who don't know, it's basically an RC, a remote-controlled little Mario Kart uh, RC car that has a camera on it. And so you get your Nintendo Switch and you use the Nintendo Switch as the controller for this RC car in real life. But through the camera, you can see what's through the camera through your Switch. And so you can build like a racetrack in your home, in your living room with a bunch of obstacles. And then you're looking at your Switch and you're racing from that screen and you're watching this little Mario Kart zoom through your living room and you can set up obstacles and all sorts of cool things. People are uploading videos where they have these really elaborate, awesome home courses and their cat jumps in the middle and blocks the Mario Kart and stuff. It, it looks amazing. Like it's a really ingenious thing. It's one of those things only Nintendo would do or could do or think of. And it's very in line with like the Labo and Ring Fit Adventure where they're really finding very unique ways of using the Switch. Um, and using all that technology to make like non-traditional games. So the reviews have been pretty good, um, pretty solid all around. Um, it's probably going to be hard to find 
this Christmas. I think it looks awesome. Like I would love to have one of these. The, the problem for me is that I live in a small apartment, so I, I probably wouldn't want one in my current apartment. But if I had one back in my parents' house or whatever, that would probably be awesome. Um, you're going to see so many cool videos of people making, I've already seen them pop up, but in the next coming, the coming days, now that the thing is officially out, you're going to see so many awesome videos of people doing things in their home. And, uh, just like we did with Labo and just like we did with a bunch of other stuff, people really just go crazy with this stuff. I wish this existed when I was like, you know, 10 or 11. Cause like now that I'm a, a fully grown adult man, you know, a lot of this stuff does rely on kind of the imagination that you would apply to your action figures or something. You know, you're going to make a dream course and all of that. And I could see it. I appreciate this stuff, but I don't know how much time I'm going to, you know, put into making a course at my parents' house if I were to get this. You know, I would still probably like to have it and just mess around with it. Um, but it's one of those things that I, I kind of would have liked more if I was younger. But whatever. You know, for those of you who are, you know, still in that perfect age group. This is awesome. And for people like me, I'll just continue playing normal Mario Kart because, you know, Mario Kart's so great. So you guys already know I love, I love Mario Kart, right? If you follow me on Twitter, you know, I run a Mario Kart weekly online tournament every single week, Glintendo Circuit. If you want to join it, the info is all on Twitter. Uh, it happens every Sunday. We have some pro players who play. You know, there are actual pros at Mario Kart. I don't want to. I don't want to boast, but you know, I've 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 won my own event at least once, and I've beaten pro players at that game. So I can maybe call myself maybe a top player in Mario Kart. I can't believe I'm even saying that. The reason I bring that up is because the future of Glintendo Circuit is going to be in my living room. All right, so I'm going to set up a circuit. You guys are going to show up with your RC cars, and we're gonna we're gonna do this in real life. So we're going to settle it in person. Uh, but yeah, Mario Kart home circuit looks awesome. I definitely want to get that. Hopefully definitely want to try it at least, you know, very expensive though. $99 is pretty expensive. It looks like, it looks like it's $99. It doesn't look very cheap, but you got to consider that if you want to play with somebody else, they have to bring their own switch, right? And then they have to have bought one of these. And so that's a hundred dollars per player. Pretty expensive. If you think about it that way. Um, but yeah, while Mario Kart's, you know, in the news and while everyone's talking about home circuit and how cool it is and all the awesome tech behind it, um, the augmented reality and stuff like that, it, it really made me think that, you know, I really think that this is the closest thing that we're going to get to a new Mario Kart game on the Switch. Because right now, now that Mario Kart's in the news, I'm hearing everyone talk about like, hey, when's Mario Kart 9 coming out? And, you know all the, we're having this giant conversation about it. And my take's a little different than everybody else's. I think this is the closest thing that you're going to get to Mario Kart 9 or a new Mario Kart on the Switch. And I'm going to break down why I think that. The first thing and the most obvious thing is that Mario Kart 8 is the best-selling game on the Switch, right? So the original Mario Kart 8 came out on the Wii U in 2014. So this game is seven years old, and even though it's seven years old, it's still a huge game. Now, everybody knows that, but I don't think people really get to what degree this game is huge, because if you understood how popular Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is on Switch, you probably would understand why Nintendo is very unlikely to make a Mario Kart 9 anytime soon. 
So the biggest reason is because this game is not just the biggest seller on Switch. It's still a big seller. You know that I actually did some research on this. So in the last 12 months, <laughs> you know what the eighth best-selling game, not just on the Switch, in the last 12 months for all platforms, the eighth best-selling game was Mario Kart 8. So when you have a game that is selling that well, it's selling really well against PS4 and Xbox games and against games of on every other platform, and it's a seven-year-old game. Basically, Nintendo made their money back like to such an astronomical degree that this game is just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal success, right? So on the when it came out on the Wii U, it actually sold about 9 million copies, which for the Wii U is an insane number. There are games that, you know, would kill to sell 9 million on a PS4. For you to have 12 million Wii U's, right? 12 million Wii U's were sold as consoles. That's considered a failure. That's a mega flop, 12 million. To say that 9 million of those people bought this one game is huge. You have games, uh, the PS4 has sold uh, 100, more than 100 million units at this point. And there are very popular games that have not sold 9 million copies on the PS4. Like 4 million for some games is a phenomenal success. So if we're talking about that, just keeping it in the Wii U realm, right? Think about all the things you know about the Wii U, notorious failure, flop. It's best-selling game, sold 9 million copies. It was Mario Kart. And then you re-release that same game, already profitable on a failing system, and it sells 26 million on the Switch. Like, that's insane. They have no reason to cannibalize that by making a new Mario Kart and just going, yeah, we could have we just kept making money off of that one investment that we made in 2014. We spent millions of dollars making Mario Kart 8, and then it made us an insane amount of dollars back, like way more than what we put into it for years and years and years and years. So I think this is their way of going, here's a new Mario Kart in a way that doesn't cannibalize our the cash cow that is Mario Kart 8. So that's kind of how I look at the home circuit thing. I think this is a really smart play and I don't think Mario Kart 9 is anywhere near coming. Another thing people say is like, you know, Mario Kart 8 sold, you know, uh, it came out in 2014, so it's about time. And it's like, yeah, but again, you, you can't really use time, how much time has passed, as a measure for when a new one's going to come. Because usually what happens is that the time between those uh, installments is usually when the game stops selling well. And so if the game is still selling well, they have no reason to make a sequel. You know, what I would personally want is... You know, I would love it if they just made a really big DLC pack for Mario Kart 8. You know, they already have 20 million people who bought it, 26 million people bought it on Switch. If they made a DLC pack that was like 10 or $15 and even half of that 26 million people bought it, you would have, it would be like the most insane, you know, it would probably be the biggest DLC ever. So, that's what I think they should do. I don't think they need to make a Mario Kart 9. Um, I personally think Mario Kart 8 is the best installment in the series, right? I love it to death. I play it every week. It's the best one. It looks beautiful. For This game is seven years old, and it looks perfect. It's one of the few games where there's just such a stylized art style, 
and such a beautiful world. And even against PS4 games, like, yeah, PS4 games look better, but this looks perfect. Like, there's nothing I would change about Mario Kart 8. I think it just looks amazing. It plays amazing. It's, you know, it's great. I would love if they just updated it, added some stuff. And I think that would be enough for the hardcore Mario Kart people and a lot of the people who, you know, they some people just bought Mario Kart 8 right now as we're talking. Some dude just hit download. And for that guy, you know, he doesn't want to see that Mario Kart 9 is six months away, right? So again, Mario Kart 9, from a, from a more well-informed opinion, it's not happening. If it happens, then you guys could roast me for it, please. But I really don't think Mario Kart 9 is going to be happening at all. I think you're going to see it when they're ready to show you like new hardware because now they know, dude, this thing is, this series is bigger than 3D Mario. This, this series is bigger than most Nintendo franchises, period. It's bigger than Zelda. It's bigger than so much stuff. It's bigger than Donkey Kong. So Mario Kart alone, like separate from 2D and 3D Mario, it's bigger than all of that. And so you're going to see this now at the beginning of a new hardware generation or like a big revision for the console or something. They're going to save this for like a big, big moment. They're not just going to put out Mario Kart 9 like, like it's some just regular game. You know what I mean? It's not regular. This is insane. The other thing that people keep talking about that, that I think is really interesting, and there's a lot to say about, about this, is that people are saying that they don't want Mario Kart 9. They want a Nintendo Kart game, right? So this seems like a really good idea, right? It's like, hey, why don't you take Mario Kart and just add all the other Nintendo characters and make it like Smash Brothers, but now, you know, it's, it's Mario Kart. And everybody loves Mario Kart. Everybody loves all those franchises. Why not combine them, right? It seems like such a good idea. But I personally, I'm the only person I know who thinks that this is such a bad idea. I actually think this is horrible. Let me explain why I think that, right? I think pe the calculation people are making on this is that Smash Brothers is this big franchise, right? And obviously there's so much excitement around it. And wouldn't it just be cool and exciting to like race in a Metroid or a Star Fox level and, you know, you have Pikachu and all this stuff. And I'm like, the difference between Smash and Mario Kart is that Smash is centered around fighting. Yeah, it's cartoony fighting but it's still centered on combat in some form. And, you know, with very few exceptions, the characters that get added to Smash Brothers, they all have combat in one form or another in their game. Racing, and not just racing, Mario Kart style racing does not lend itself to all these things. Like, yeah, it definitely works for DK and for Mario and all these cartoon characters. It would probably work great for Kirby even, right? But it wouldn't work the way Smash Brothers works because I personally don't want to see Samus racing DK and throwing a banana peel at him, right? Like there's something about racing that is just completely different than fighting. And it, 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 the context is completely different. Like seeing Pikachu in a race car, I don't think that that works, man. Like, I don't know. Am I alone on this? And and I think the proof for me on this thing is how they added Link to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Well, they added, they added Link as DLC for Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U. Now, if you listen to the show, you already know Zelda's my favorite franchise ever. I, I love Zelda. I love Link. I love all that stuff, right? I obviously love Mario Kart. So obviously, I would love it if you combine those things. But I actually didn't. I thought it looked so weird. 
it, it Zelda is this sacred thing, man. It you're supposed to only use it in very specific ways. I do not want to see, and I'm not a fan of them treating Link and the Zelda universe as if it's Mario. Mario's more cartoony. He's more he's not grounded in reality. You know what I mean? So you can do a lot of different things with him and it and it looks okay. Watching Link do certain things doesn't make sense, right? So seeing Mario Kart 8 where you can have Link driving a Mercedes-Benz, I'm going to be honest, you guys, that was borderline heresy. I thought that that was a horrible idea for the Zelda brand. But again, I think most people don't care and most people like it. And um, maybe a lot of people bought Mario Kart 8 and go, oh, I know Link now because he was in Mario Kart. So from a strategy perspective, it works, I guess. And I mean, I just don't want to see a Nintendo cart. I don't think that that's a good use of that, of those properties. And luckily, the main reason why I think this won't happen, right? Like even if I did want it to happen, the reason I don't think it's bound to happen is because there is no incentive for Nintendo to do that because Mario Kart is already way bigger than Smash Brothers way bigger without those characters. So they don't need to figure out how to make Squirtle and Charizard drive a a Mercedes Benz. Okay. I don't want them to figure that out. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see Squirtle doing anything like that. It's weird. And and another, I wanted to bring up some deep Nintendo lore uh, that maybe you wouldn't, maybe a lot of people missed. And I, I vaguely remembered it. So I had to go look it up. So I remember back when Mario Galaxy 2 came out, there was an interview with the developers, right? And there were actually, the development team actually wanted to put Donkey Kong and Pikmin into Mario Galaxy 2. And Miyamoto, the famous creator of Mario and Zelda and Donkey Kong, and just all around genius, he apparently, according to the dev team, he came down really hard on this idea, right? And the reason for it is he said that, you know, these would be, the team thought these would be cool cameos to have. But he said that there was no functional reason to include these characters into Mario. And that you can't just introduce stuff just so it's visually there and it's a cool cameo. It needs to make sense functionally because video games are about function. They're about fun. They're about control. So that's another reason why I thought the Zelda DLC in Mario Kart was just heresy. I just thought it was horrible. Like I, I think they did a good job of it, but I just think conceptually it didn't add anything to the game that Link was there. And I thought he looked weird and in that universe. So luckily Miyamoto's still alive and he's killing it and he's doing great. And so he's going to block this Nintendo card idea that you guys want so bad. I'm glad it's not going to happen. If it, if it happens, dude, here's the funny thing. So do I think it's possible? I don't think it's likely for the reasons I stated. I do think it's possible because that seems to be where all the creative industries are going. Like there's just, everything's about crossovers now. Everything is about making it crossovers as big as possible. And I think it is possible, you know, um, especially because like, if you look at Mario Maker back on the Wii U, they had that every single Amiibo, including the Smash Amiibos, you can unlock a sprite, you know, to play as those characters in Mario Maker. So you could you could scan a Sheik amiibo and you could play a Mario level as an 8-bit version of Sheik or, you know, DK 
or all those characters. It was it's kind of it's kind of funny. Like seeing Star Fox in an eight bit Mario level was funny. But I think the only reason that they got away with that was because they were adding some value to the amiibos that you already bought, right? And also it, it's eight bit, so it's very different. You can kind of like get away with putting a very an eight bit sprite in a very weird scenario because it's not realistic at all. It's super far from realism. But once you get into like putting Link in Mario Kart 8, heresy, I'm sorry. I know you guys, some of you guys are fans, but heresy. So um, yeah, like I said, I think it's, I think it's possible. I think someone at Nintendo has the poor taste to let this happen. <laughs> but um, I also think that if it did happen, of course I would buy that. So that's the part where I'm like, dude, there's no way that they're going to make this game in some form and I'm not going to buy that or I'm not going to at least want to play it. And I'm sure if they committed to the idea, they'd find a way to make it fun. But man, I, just as a concept, I would not be a fan of that, man. Like, I don't I don't want to see a Nintendo cart, man. But anyway, you know, you guys get at me on Twitter or write into the show or write in on Patreon and let me know what you think about that. Let me know what you think about my reasoning. Let me know if you think that I'm a complete fool for thinking that Nintendo Kart is heresy. I also, last thing on this, I also just don't want it to take away from Smash Brothers because I think the thing that made Smash Brothers special and I think still makes it special is it's the only place where these characters are together. And I, I kind of don't want to see, I like when things have their own identity. And like I said with Zelda, I think Zelda and Metroid are sacred. I don't want to see them like just be in everything all the time, even when it doesn't make sense. You know, Smash is the crossover game for those, for, for Nintendo, for video games at this point in general. Let's keep it that way. All right, let's keep Smash having its identity as the crossover thing. And then we'll, every other game could have like little things here and there, but I don't want to see a Nintendo card. And that's, that's my final word on that one. All right, I'm gonna hit the brakes on this episode on that note. Thank you, guys. See you next week. Hope you enjoy the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Super Glentendo. The Glentendo podcast is a weekly Nintendo slash Smash community podcast. Our aim is to have galaxy brain conversations on all things Nintendo. If you like the show, please consider becoming a friendo and supporting at patreon.com slash Glentendo. Friendos get early access to the show each Friday. The show then becomes available to all for free the following Monday on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify right now and you like the show, give it a good review. It helps support a lot more than you might think. This show is brought to you by our amazing producers, Naomi Eduardo and the legendary Riz.